in the book of Genesis chapter 32. I want to read a passage of scripture uh, talking with God having encounter with Jacob. And the word said in verse 22, And he rose that night, and he took his two wives and two female servants and his eleven sons and crossed over the ford of Jabbok. And he took them and set them over the brook and sent over what he had. And then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw what he did, that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have struggled with God and with men and have prevailed. Father, give us insight and understanding right now of what you're doing in this present hour. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm still continuing on. This is going to be, I didn't plan it to be a, a, you, you know, a series, but I think it's evidently going to fall out that way. But I'm talking really about the blessing of the Lord. I want to title this message and I want to ask you something this morning. What is your name? Look at your neighbor and say, what is your name? I'm, I'm convinced that most of us don't know who we are. That we don't know what we have. And we don't know what God has called us. Now I've taken this message just to give for those that weren't here. Kind of set a little groundwork. I, I took this message from a friend of ours, John Kilpatrick, that spoke this on Easter Sunday. I'm just going to tell one story. I'm not going to tell them all. Of when God had him build the church that he was building in Pensacola a number of years ago. And he said he had a desire after this thing was going up. He want, wanted an orchestra. So he went to his board and said, I believe if we'll put an orchestra pit in this church, I believe they'll come and fill it and we'll have some of the greatest worship sounds you've ever heard. And so the board agreed to, to make an adjustment. It was, I believe if I remember right, it was a $40,000 adjustment to build this pit and put it in the church. So now they, he started putting out, we've got this orchestra pit. If you play a brass instrument, we want you to come and fill it. The church finally gets complete. They have their grand opening and their celebration day that they're dedicating it. And he was expecting the orchestra pit to be full. And not one person, not one person showed up or volunteered to come and be a part of an orchestra. And John Kilpatrick said the place was absolutely filled and, and was overflowing with people. And he said all he could think about that morning was that empty orchestra pit. And he said it just bothered him so bad. He said he thought something was wrong with him. He would go to the church and every time he would see that orchestra pit being empty, he, said, he would say something like this, you stupid pit. You, you, maybe it was 140000 whatever dollar it was, you big mistake. He said, you're just, you're just trouble. You're, you're just a mistake. And that's, oh, that's my grandson, by the way. He's just worshiping God. <laughs> he, he, but it really bothered him. 
So one night he's at the church in his routine praying. He was at the church late on Saturday night. He was there in the dark and he was standing there by the pit. And there again he's having those same feelings as he's trying to prepare for the next morning. And he looked again and he said, you stupid pit. And then he started asking the Holy Spirit. He started crying out, Holy Spirit, I put this thing in and nobody's coming. He's just pouring out his heart to God. All of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord told him, he said this, quit cursing it. Quit cursing it. He had no clue what even the Lord was talking about because he said, he said, I thought as a Pentecostal preacher and what I've been taught all my life that, you, you know, the only curses that we could find would be that of witchcraft and sorcery and the things of this world. He didn't believe or didn't dream that he could do that. And he even had to go before the Lord and God began to un- download into him uh, what he was doing and how he could turn that around. So when he began to repent, I went through that while ago in my prayer over the finances. He began to repent. He began to renounce and he began to revoke uh, the curses that he made. That he said all of a sudden that lifted off of him. And he'd go to church and that pit wouldn't bother him anymore. And then he had, a, he had a person that was in their church years ago call him up and said, Brother Kilpatrick, we're thinking about, we're believing that we can move into your area. I'm, I'm coming back to apply for a job. And, and he said, we, we're, we're going to come back. And we loved you and your wife, and we just want you to know what's going on. And Brother Kilpatrick said, I believe you're going to get that job. And, and he said, matter of fact, when you come, why don't you just stay with me and my wife in our home? And he said, that'll be fine. He's getting ready to hang up the phone. And he, the man on the other end said, hey, Brother Kilpatrick, just a moment. He said, I don't know if you know this or not, but, but when I was at the other church, I played trumpet. Would you mind if I bring my trumpet and, and just play in the service on that morning? And, of course, Brother Kilpatrick was jumping up and down. He said, man, don't you dare get on that plane without that trumpet. And that brother came and was the first. And he said within a matter of few weeks after he began to bless what he had had in his heart to do, he said they had more orchestra, they had more instruments coming. He said it was full till he had to get up and announce to everyone, quit, we, got, we don't have room for anybody else. So, so there's no more room, don't come. I, I loved him talking about the big tuba player. He said he was a big old boy and when the Holy Ghost would come upon him. He'd get to weaving and rocking with that too, but everybody was happening duck and bow because of him in the pit. And I believe many times God is saying, I want to bless, but you're cursing what I have put my blessing upon. Now I want you to look through the life of Jacob for a moment. Because when God is asking you a question, he is not looking for information. He is asking you who you are, and he's wanting you to take a look at where you've been or what you're doing. First of all, let's talk about Jacob. He is the grandson of the one we call Abraham, our father of faith. He's the grandson. God spoke to Abraham and said, get up and get away from your father's house into a land that I will show you, and there I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. He said, all the families of the earth is going to be blessed because of you, and those that curse you, I'm going to curse, and those that bless you, I'm going to bless. 
Now let me just share this real quick about blessing. You can't live any way you want even though God has pronounced it on you and expect the blessing to manifest. That's why he told Abram, get up and get away from your father's house. It wasn't that his dad was bad. It was a pagan family line that I'm going to get you out of this this pagan history. I'm going to bring you into my place, into a new place, and there I'm going to bless you. So we got to get out of this place because many people think, well, I'm, I'm blessed. And we walk around and we're living like hell. But you can't live that way and expect the blessings of God to unfold. So enough of that. So I want you to see that he is the grandson of his his father, of his, uh, he's the grandson of Abraham, who God said is blessed. Everybody say he's blessed. What does that mean to be blessed? We actually find that in Genesis 1.28 when God said this to Adam and Eve when he created them. He created a male and female and God blessed them. So what is in the blessing? Here it is, three things. He said be fruitful. He said increase. He said subdue and have dominion. Increase, increase, multiplication or fruitfulness and increase and then subdue, which means when he said I want you to subdue, he said I want you to put in order what is out of order. I'm giving you that authority. If it's not working, you have the authority to put it back the way it's supposed to be. So now Abram doesn't even have a son. He doesn't even have a son. He's 75 years old when God speaks that. It didn't look like that was going to happen. Listen to what's going on. It didn't look like that was going to happen. And for 25 years, he had to walk around with a promise. Some of you have had a promise that you've been carrying for a long time and you've just about dropped it or given up on it. And God is saying, I believe it in this season. You need to pick it up again and believe me to do what I said I would do. So then they have a son by the name of Isaac. Here's one of the things before Isaac comes along. God, at 90 years old, I believe it was, God said, I'm going to change your name from Abram to Abraham, which now means you are a father of nations. Now you have to understand something in that day, a name meant more than it does to us today. We throw cute names on people just to give them a cute name. But it spoke of everything about who they were. It spoke about their character. And many times it spoke about their future. So he said, now your name is no longer going to be Abram, but you're going to be Abraham. So what did it mean by that? Now he's going to have to walk around. And when he would address himself or somebody would say, who are you? He's going to say, I'm a father of nations. You're going to have to speak what God is saying because that's part of blessing. Is speaking what God is saying. Not what you don't have, but what God said you had. You may be broker than Job's turkey, but God said, I don't even know what that is, but he's broke. He just broke. But if you're that broke and you're walking around, you can claim it, I don't have anything, and you'll live in that spot. Or you can begin to declare who God said you were. That you were the head and not the tail. You were above and not beneath. You are blessed coming in and blessed going out. You're blessed when you rise up. Blessed when you sit down. Even he said, everything I put my hand to prospers. I'm in covenant with God. 
See, you can speak that or you can keep cursing yourself saying, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how we're going to make it. But he called Abraham to walk around. Abram don't even have a clue of a son. Sarah's even laughing about the whole idea of having a child. And God even asked Sarah a question, is anything too hard for God? My question for you this morning to ask you, is anything too hard for the God you serve? If he's the one I'm serving, there's absolutely nothing. Nothing's too hard for him. And so God now has him begin to call it. Now, all of a sudden, Isaac comes on the scene. And the reason his name is Isaac is because when God told Abram that but according to the time of life, you're going to have a son. Abraham, you're going to have a son. Sarah's in the tent making lunch, and she laughs. And the Lord heard it and said, why is she laughing? That's when he asked the question, is anything too hard for God? So now we've got Isaac on the scene and Abram, Abraham now, after Isaac is born, is carrying Isaac, to, according to the word of the Lord, is to take him to the mountain and worship with him. And the scripture says that when they got there to the mountain, Isaac asked his father, I got to just give you bits and pieces, guys, so you got to trust me, it's in here. As he gets to the mountain, Isaac says, hey, dad, we're going to worship, but we got a problem. We don't have a lamb or a ram. What are we going to do? And Abraham says, the Lord will provide himself a ram. They get to the top of the mountain. The altar is built. Abraham takes his son Isaac, lays him on the altar, getting ready to drop the knife. And God grabs his hands and said, Now I know of certain, because you have done this thing. This is Genesis 22. And you have not withheld your son, your only son. Listen to what he says. Blessing, I will bless you. Blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the heaven, as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies, and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you've obeyed my voice. I didn't call you to curse him. I didn't call you to take his life. I have called you to bless your son Isaac. And through him, now blessing is handed down. Now we've got Isaac under the blessing of his father. You want to know what blessing will do to you? The blessing of the Lord? The Bible says, I gave us this verse. I just had to bring out every little note I had. We started out with this verse a couple of weeks ago, Proverbs 22-3. The blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and it adds no sorrow with it. The, uh, new, uh, the Passion Translation says, True in enrichment comes from the blessing of the Lord with rest and content knowing that it comes from him, no labor or no sorrow attached. Now, you want to know how blessed Isaac was? Remember, Abraham now blesses him. In Genesis 22, most people, if you hear anything about Isaac, the first thing that you're going to hear most people talk about when it comes to Isaac, he sowed in a time of famine and he brought a hundredfold harvest forth. He moved supernaturally because of the blessing of God upon him. Natural, listen church, you better hear what I'm saying. Earthly circumstances does not dictate to the blessing of God upon your life. Hello. 
You can believe that or not, but Isaac sold in a time of famine. Now, I know we got some farmers in here. We don't understand famine around here. We may have a drought. It may get dry once in a while, Miss Judy, but we really don't know what possibly two or three years of famine is. We don't understand that. Nothing is producing. But when God spoke to Isaac, matter of fact, Isaac found a wife by the name of Rebekah that God brought in her life, and God speaks to him in the midst of the famine because this is what's getting ready to happen. They're getting ready to step away from the place of of God and they're going to go into Egypt and God grabs him and said wait a minute don't you go into Egypt see that's the first thing that's going to happen to us because we start trying to figure out how are we going to make this happen how are we going to do this and God said don't you go don't you go into Egypt I want you to stay where you are I want you to stay in the land of your father I want you to stay in the land that I have promised you And in that place, no matter what it looked like, God said, I'm going to bless you. So Isaac just took him at his word. And he went and he sold his crop. And in the very same year, it didn't say it rained. Nothing said that a rain come. Nothing said that the famine ended. But in the midst of the famine, he brought forth a hundredfold harvest. Listen, church, we've got to come to this place. Instead of saying, I don't know how God's going to do it, we just need to start thanking Him, Lord. Natural, earthly circumstances does not dictate to what you said you would do. Now, we may feel like it does, but the reality is God's Word is greater. Are you okay this morning? Now, Isaac and Rebecca have children. She's pregnant with twins. One of them is going to be named Esau. And the other is Jacob. And God spoke a word, I believe it was, to him and said the younger or the elder would serve the younger, something to that effect, and or would, would come forth that way. So when Esau should have been first because he grabbed, they both came forth. They were born. He didn't come first. Esau is born. Then Jacob grabs hold of his heel, and part of Jacob's name means a follower. Now, most of the time, all that we hear about Jacob is he's a deceiver, supplanter. Hang on. So he comes out, and they're now growing, and and Esau was a man of the field, a hunter, and Jacob, well, he was his his mama's boy, evidently. So the reality was there came a time as Isaac's getting old, his eyes are getting dim, he reaches out to Esau and says, Esau, I would love to have a meal cooked from you one more time if you'll go do it, and I'll place my firstborn blessing upon you. Well, mama schemes, and she speaks into the ear of Isaac and said, you need that blessing. So we're going to set up a trap, or we're going to trick your father for time's sake, and we're going to see that that blessing comes upon you. And so Rebecca and Jacob fix up the meal like Esau would have fixed, and they take it to father, and Father, he says, here I am, Father. His eyes are dim. He's not seen well. But he said, let me feel you. He said, everything about this field. But there's just something doesn't seem to be the way it ought to be. But nonetheless, Isaac puts his blessing upon Jacob. The blessing of the firstborn. The right of the firstborn to walk in the family blessing. And from that place... Jacob 
takes on a false identity of who he's supposed to be because he, they tried to do this through the operation of their flesh and of their own mind instead of what God could do for them. Because you see, Jacob isn't just the grandson of Abraham who is highly favored and blessed of God, but he's under a double blessing, the blessing of his mom. And if you don't remember that story, when Abraham or Isaac is getting old, he's sending or or Abraham is sending out uh, to look for a wife for his son. Get my story straight and help me keep it on time, all right? I'm trying with too many verses I want to give to you. He sends them. He said, I want you to go to my family, and I want you to get a wife for my son Isaac. I want you to go to a certain place, and there you're going to find her. And her name would be Rebecca. And Rebecca's name simply means this, to tie together or to bind. And so when the story comes, she goes to her family and said, I've got to go with the servant of Abraham. And before she left, let me find it. Before she left, her brother said, her family said, I want to bless you. And listen to this blessing. Oh, my sister, may you become the mother of thousands, of tens of thousands, and may your descendants possess the gates of those who hate them. So not only is he after the lineage of his father, that God spoke the same thing. Isn't it interesting that the brother spoke over his sister, Jacob's mom, to be the very same thing. The very same blessing would rest upon them. A double blessing is resting upon Jacob. But from that moment, everything Jacob did, Jacob would do it in a conniving, scheming kind of way. Nothing ever seemed to work exactly like the way Jacob wanted it to work. For example, when he'd come time for him to get a wife, he found, he found this beautiful young lady by the name of Rachel. And she belonged to a man by the name of Laban, who no doubt within himself was very wealthy and well-to-do. And, and so he goes and he says, I, I want to marry your wife. I want to marry this daughter of yours. Could I have her as my wife? He said, yes, for the next seven years if you'll serve me. Or Jacob may, may even gave the plan, yeah, I'll serve you for seven years and then I'll take her. And when it came time, when it came time to marry, after those seven years were up, Jacob is ready as any young groom would be to have his wife that night. They go into the tent. No doubt it was candlelight and very dim. And instead of Rachel walking into the room, Laban had sent the other daughter by the name of Leah. Rachel was beautiful. The scripture said Leah didn't say she was ugly. It just said she was weak-eyed. And so she comes. That's what it says. She was sent into in Jacob. And then Jacob wakes up the next morning. What have you done? I'm thinking, Jacob, you missed the perfume smell, dude. You should have known better. But now he's in this spot to where he's laboring 
And he's laboring now in order to have Rachel. He's got he's to labor another seven years. He's striving. He's toiling to have what God had really put in his heart. And then he has this journey. He's in this trip. And he's on this journey and he stops. He's tired in this garden. And the Bible said that when he stopped in the book of, uh, in the book of Genesis chapter 28, that he stops and he dreams a dream. And as he dreamed a dream, a ladder was set up upon the earth that reached its top to the heaven. And the angels were ascending and descending. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the, I'm the God of your father and the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie. I will give to you and your descendants. Also your descendants shall be as the dust of the earth and you shall spread across the earth to the west and to the east, to the north, to the south. And all the families in the earth will be blessed because of you. And I will, I will be with you and I will keep you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. He has an encounter with God. And God is reminding, Jacob, do you know who you are? Jacob, I'm with you. And God had promised I've often thought, God, what did that mean? A ladder that is ascending to the heaven. Here's the reality. We keep praying, God, open the heavens over us. And God said, I've opened it. I've opened the heaven over you. You are under an open heaven at this moment. I'm here to declare, I believe that with all my heart. You don't want to believe it, I do, that we are under an open heaven. The Bible said that those that are in Christ are Abraham's seed. And if we're Abraham's seed, then we are heirs according to the promise. And if Jesus did that at Calvary for us to break the curse, then I don't have to pray and ask God for an open heaven. I just need to start declaring the heaven is open over me and the blessings of God are flowing to me. See, I think even in our pursuit for revival and a move of God, we keep praying for an open heaven. God said, I opened it. I opened it. My people just don't understand. You are under an open heaven. Then he starts the journey. He goes on his journey. He's laboring for for Laban. Then he comes to this spot at some point that he wants to leave. He's growing. The Bible said the blessing of the Lord is resting upon him and he's ready to take his family and separate himself from Laban. And Laban comes to him and said, wait a minute, don't leave. You can't go yet because of you. Because of you, I'm blessed. Because you've been with me, it has blessed me. What you and I don't realize, because you understand your blessing, everybody around us ought to be saying, you can't get away from me. There's something happens when I'm in your presence. My life is different when I'm in your presence because we are the blessed of the Lord. Remember, oh, come on, somebody. We are the blessed of the Lord. We are blessed to be a blessing. Where we go, other things are blessed. Your employer ought to be blessed simply because you're there. Matter of fact, they ought, when you're ready to go to another job, hey, you can't leave me. I'll double your pay. You're that great for me. You're that good for me. That's right. You, you know, I got to say this about my son and daughter-in-law being here. 
Both of them have been on staff at Free Chapel and, and have been laboring and working there and serving. She's so valuable. We called them here. They said, Dad, we're coming home to help. And we're working with them to staff them here. Here's the deal. She's going to continue to work from here. She's going to work that ministry, working for Brother Jensen back there. That's how valuable the blessing of God is. See, y'all don't understand that. That don't happen in most churches that they release and let other people serve in another place. Matter of fact, most people write something like this. You know, you can't, you can't talk about anything here. You can't you gotta write some big thing to get out here that you'll not do anything in our presence anymore. But the blessing of the Lord. If I said something I shouldn't have had there, Chad, you'll have to take it up with dad later. But that's the reality of where things are. God is blessing. I believe in the blessing of the Lord. It maketh rich and it adds no sorrow. And so he goes through there. He's, sneak, he's still conniving. I mean, Jacob is a shrewd businessman. He said, I'll just take certain, certain of your sheep, your spotted lambs and all this. And he, he got, whether it's in him, wherever it comes from, he gets this idea to set up these poles where the sheep are drinking and where they're mating and all this. And all of a sudden, he's getting all this enormous amount of sheep and everything is taken away. And Jacob still doesn't really realize who it is. Here's my whole point of this message, because y'all look like you're bored. It's simply this. He's striving for what God said he could have without the fight. He is struggling to do it within his own self. So as he's on this journey, again, the angel of the Lord, I believe God himself appears to him. And I'm going to land a jet right here, so worship team, come, come back, would you? He comes back. Let me find my passage of scripture. And he has this thing where Jacob is left alone and a man wrestles with him throughout the night until the breaking of the day. And Jacob starts wrestling. God puts his hand upon Jacob. And Jacob starts fighting against God. Something supernatural is taking place. And he says, let me go. And I, I, have a, I have a challenge with that, 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 that Abraham or, or Jacob's got such a grip on God or this angel that he's saying, let me go. The breaking of the day is coming. And Jacob says, I'm not going to let you go until, listen to what he says, until you bless me. And then the angel asked him the question, what's your name? Don't you know my name? What's your name, Jacob? You don't know who you are. God isn't asking for information. He didn't show up on the wrong night. He doesn't have a hold of the wrong person. He's asking Jacob because Jacob, just like he's wrestling with him, has wrestled with everything he could to get the blessing of God. And God is saying to him, why are you fighting me for that which I've already given you? He said, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. And he said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but your name will be Israel. 
May I define something to you that I believe that was supposed to be in his name from day one. But because of the scheme and the conniving, he picked up an earthly name. And I told you this a couple of weeks ago. Every one of us are given three names. I believe it with all my heart. You are given a name by God. A name that came from heaven before you were ever formed in your mother's womb. God had called you victorious. God called you successful. God called you whole. God called you this. And it was always something in the greatness of God. But then your mom and daddy, you came into this earth and they put a name on you. They called you Joy. They called you Susie. They called you Lucy. They called you something. They gave you a name without even identifying what that name meant. And sometimes even when we give a name that has strong stuff, we will declare stuff over that individual. I've heard families, I've heard children come as the young man I told you about in Brother, in Brother Kilpatrick's story of the young man in his church. He said was, was kind of hefty and undressed or, uh, you know, unkept. His hair was matted and taggered and didn't look like he was kept at all. And he said, Brother Kilpatrick said every time that he went around him, he said this young man would go the other way and then on a Sunday morning, This young man shows up on the platform just a few minutes before service. His hair is combed, his shirt tails tucked in his pants. He said, Brother Kilpatrick, can I share something with you for a moment? And Brother Kilpatrick said he wouldn't turn him away from nothing. Because he's seen him. He said, I've always seen you, but you always went the other way. And the young man said to him, he said, Brother Kilpatrick, he said, I just never felt worthy enough to come into the presence of a man like you. He said, would you mind if I tell you my story? He said, my father was a hard man. My father was a mean man. My father always told me I was useless. My father told me I would never amount to anything. My father would always curse me and put me down. And he said, our relationship was terrible. And he said, I want you to know because of that, I have not even had a life. I have no friends. I've had no friends. I can barely keep a job. I can just barely make a enough money to put food on my table. I don't have anybody until I heard you speak about the blessing. And he said, I, something in me went, rose up to go to my father who I haven't seen in years. And he said, I went to his house to get one thing out of him to ask my father to place a blessing on me. And he said, he went to his father's house, hesitated to get even out of the car And when he finally gets the courage to get up, knock on the door, dad opens the door and dad said, oh no, I told you son, when you leave this place, there is nothing here for you. You will never mount to anything. You are nothing. You are good for nothing. And he opened the door and dad allowed him in. He said, dad, I know what you've told me, but I've come for one thing. I didn't come to stay. I just come for one thing. If you could find it in your heart, to say one good thing about me. My pastor's been talking about blessing, the blessing of a father. And I'm asking you if you can find just one thing to say to me that's good. I would greatly appreciate it, and that's all you ever have to do. You'll never see me again. Matter of fact, he said, I'll go in the bedroom, close the door. I'll put my face to the wall. You can speak from the hallway out if that's what it takes. And he went into the bedroom, closed the door. And he said, I could hear, he said, I could hear my father pacing up and down that hallway, trying to figure out one good thing he could say. 
And he said the next thing he knew, that door opened up. And he said, Father, began to speak. I didn't tell you this when I told you the story before. He said, Father, just didn't speak a good word. He said, Father, it was like something came over him. God transformed his life. And he began to preach. He began to literally preach the blessing of the Lord over my life. He said, that changed my life. Today, Pastor Kilpatrick, I want you to know I have a life. Relationship is coming into my life life. I've got a young lady that I'm beginning to see and I believe she's the one for me and I'm dreaming now of us being married and having children. I'm now getting ready to step into a new job that has been given to me where I'm going to be making at least $20 an hour. Don't tell me the words you speak out of your mouth over your children are are, are useless. They can mean everything to their world. Jacob, who are you? Jacob, what is your name? No longer are you Jacob, but now you are called Israel because you will be the one ruling and reigning in life. And I thought, Lord, why did the angel want to get away? Because daybreak was coming. He's not a vampire. As movies would show us, this was God. But God was saying to him, I believe this. He was saying, Jacob, your dark season is over and a new day is upon you. Christ church, you better hear me. The prophet of God spoke into this house just a little over a week ago and said that we have completed the the course of a thousand steps. We have done it faithfully. We've done it rightfully. We've done it completely. And now we are in the next day. I'm here to let you know if you feel like you are cursed, you are in a new day of blessing. The heaven is open over you. Why? Why did he take his hip? Why did he put his hip out of joint? I don't think God was being mean to him. I think he was saying to you, him, Jacob, you're no longer going to walk the way you've been walking. But you're now going to walk in my blessing. I believe that's what it was all about personally. I'm here to declare over you this morning. You're in a brand new day, church. I declare the blessing of God upon your life. I declare over you that the heaven is open. God's blessing is pouring out upon you. Everything that heaven can give you is yours. If you will open your mouth and begin to declare the word of God, it is your day. It is your hour. It is your time. You are blessed. You are highly favored. You are no longer deceiver. You are the one called to rule and reign in life in every area. What you say will determine what you get. Oh, I declare it in the name of Jesus.